0: Love the
1: nouns, love the pronouns, impersonal and personal. Love the words from
0: ELFM. Quando eu canto, e a chuva cai.
2: Welcome to the sixth edition of Look Closer, the Found Fiction Podcast. If you've never listened before, this show is a creative search for inspiration. In every edition, I'll meet up with a different writer to take a journey around their neighbourhood and explore the places, people and communities around them. The things that inspire them as creative thinkers and the makers of great things. This time, I went to Headingley in Leeds to meet poet Joe Williams, Joe is a prolific performer on the northern spoken word scene and best known recently for his verse novella An Otley Run, which examines the highs and lows of a group of characters along the real-life Otley Run, a pub crawl in Leeds. Oh, hey. How are you, Joe? How's it going? Good man, yeah, you? Right,
3: yeah.
2: Good stuff, it's bright and early.
3: This abandoned pub.
2: Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's quite sad, isn't it? I guess on a Sunday, it's usually that morning after the night before, but it looks fairly peaceful and clean and everything, so yeah, good a time as any, I think.
3: Signed there advertising football matches from the 17th of October.
2: Really? No way. Yeah, I've not actually been up this bit of Headingley. I've never done the Otley run. So, right. um, no. I'm sure you you know this place like the back of your hand by now. <laughs> uh,
3: pretty much, yes. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah. Welcome to Sunday. <laughs> That's brutal. Yeah, well, anyway, let's get moving. Uh, so, first of all, why have you chosen to meet outside Woody's in Headingley?
3: Well... Bus is gone. Woody's is the start of the Otley Run, which um, is a, an important part of my writing life, I guess, because I wrote a book about the Otley Run, and um, it's also kind of representative of, I guess, the beginning of Hedonley, which is my stomping grounds. Right. So uh, I thought this I'd pub. maybe uh, this. Yeah, this is. It feels like the border okay. of Heavenly to me. I don't know whether it would be counted as that officially probably why was, does
2: that why does that why does it feel like uh, a border to you is it kind of officially a street that marks headingly from no, the next bit I, or
3: i don't think so it's just because just because the opney run thing really and because uh-huh. you know headingly as well as the Oppy run is just kind of quite renowned for pubs restaurants bars all that sort of stuff and this yeah. is this is like the first one in the area really you have to go quite a way up the road before there's another one in the other Right, direction. so it's the first
2: pub in the series of pubs that you encounter down the Otley Run, yeah. which is a famous pub crawl, right, going into Leeds.
3: That's right, yeah.
2: So, okay, cool. So it's Sunday morning, and I guess, as I said, when we met, there's, there's obviously no one here, there's been no one here yesterday, like there would be people drinking here and celebrating birthdays just in fancy dress, just yeah, for the sake of it. But well, not so much anymore and it's really quiet uh, this building could be someone's house it's 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 just you know it's not a pub as we would know it right so i guess it's an interesting sense of place that you get because a place is about the people as well as the actual bricks and mortar right
3: exactly yes i would, I would suggest it's more about the people than anything else in certainly in an urban area uh-huh, like uh-huh. this um, that's how i would feel about it certainly it's somewhere I've done quite a bit of writing. I, I write a lot in pubs, which oh, is one right. of the reasons why I ended up writing about the Otley Run, I guess. Right, okay, um, cool. So this is well, this is this is one one of the pubs that I have written in on many occasions. I know, although not the one I uh, I write most often in. I think we'll, we may well pass that one, okay. later on, well, let we
2: along. let's head down the road then, and uh, along the way, we'll just. Comment on what inspires us and i'll ask you a few questions about your writing process and what you're working on at the moment that kind of thing okay so there's kind of traffic whizzing by at the moment buses lorries and cars and everything we've been splashed a few times because it's been raining overnight (laughs) it's that kind of sunday morning i mean just is sunday an inspiring day for you i think we talk a lot about where we like to write and what time of day but do you feel like Sundays in themselves are quite creative days, or not so much, or what?
3: I don't think it really matters that much to me. I don't feel like one day is much different to another for the for the most part. I kind of, I suppose, I've, I feel more about Sunday as a, as a memory, remembering back to when I was a kid and all the shops were shut on a Sunday yeah. and everything. And it, was, it seems really weird that it used to be like that not that long ago, and they felt like really boring times to me when I was young.
2: So I think it's one of those days that it would be Convenient if inspiration was to strike you on a day like Sunday, when you, many people have got the time to sort of sit and work on something. Yeah. But it's not it, always it's not always the kind of quiet vibes that stir your creativity, is it? You know.
3: No, I'd say it's probably the opposite for me. If anything, really, I, I prefer to kind of people watch and sort of see what's going on around. Yeah. Around me, and you know, I'm much more of a an urban writer in that sense. I'm not the kind of person who although I you know, I like to go and sit in a quiet place in the woods or something, but that wouldn't be what really inspires me, my writing particularly.
2: So so what might you be inspired by walking down the street or sitting in a pub? I mean, is it overhearing people, is it just watching them interact? What is yeah,
3: or both of those things and and just having time to sit and think while kind of things go on around me so it might not um it might not necessarily be something that happens sort of in front of me that actually inspires something but yeah just the fact that there are things going on and i'm kind of sitting there with a pen in my mouth thinking about what to write yeah yeah that makes things happen i guess
2: just gonna go over to the side of the new inn is this another pub on the route
3: yeah this is um Normally this would be pub number three. We'll just pass the three horseshoes back there as well.
2: I've just I've just noticed this frame that's kind of... It would have been maybe an advertising board or a notice board of some kind and the backing of it's just been eroded or removed and there's literally just a frame around it. Yeah. just like the concept of a frame around nothing, you know what I mean?
3: Yes, it's like a very... Uh, abstract piece of artwork, just some bricks on a wall. Yeah, yeah, it's
2: like obviously just kind of by accident it's just the frame that remains and it's kind of like it draws your attention into something that should be in the centre of it, it's like you know, it's kind of like writing in a way you can just stick a frame around something random and make it beautiful that's kind of what came to mind That's
3: a good metaphor, I like that one,
2: yeah Explain as we head into, like headingly into the kind of urban bit with the shops and stuff what is this street like on a, on its most bustling days, you know, on a weekend
3: Well, it's uh, we're on the Otley Road going into town, and it's one of the busiest roads in Leeds um, for traffic, it's a commuter route for starters, and it's like the main route north, out of Leeds, really but, um, yeah, normally there will be a lot of people here as well which there aren't today uh, wow. it's uh, sort it's of the edge of the, the student area, so the the hoppy yeah. run and the pubs, in general, are popular with students. And For sure. Yeah, normally, because a lot of people do the hoppy the run in fancy dress, normally you'd see people coming down uh, dressed as Mickey Mouse or something. Uh, okay. A bunch of guys all dressed as hockey girls or something like that. All huh. sorts of things. But it's, of course, it's none of that today. It's
2: cool because, I mean, looking at the houses, Around it, it's got a grandness, a, a grandeur about it. This place, yeah. I mean, you don't associate it with students so much. Well, just being a visitor today, it looks pretty grand. I mean, there's these Victorian Edwardian houses or whatever with big kind of entrances and driveways. And yeah, to yeah. think that it must have been a huge change when students did start coming here, you know.
3: Yes, it re- it's retained a lot of the character in that way from you know back in the 19th century when it was a. Yeah, it was a place for the wealthy landowners to to build their mansions, and that's how Heavenly started to to build up as a as a sort of bustling yeah. suburb. But yes, it's um, I mean, even since I first came here in the 90s, it's quite a, a different place to what it was then.
2: Tell us a bit about what you're working on at the moment, then.
3: I've got a, a new book coming out next spring, um, a book of poetry called the The Taking Paths, which is poems based on the themes of sport and games although being poetry they're not really about sport and games at all Uh they just use that as a a sort of framework as a hook yeah they're mainly the mainly poems about people i think so i'm uh, just putting the finishing touches to that at the moment in preparation for that coming out in may june possibly we're not quite sure yet
2: fantastic fantastic and and like you know, the an Otley run the collection that you put together was obviously well received, and both in kind of literary form and, and as a performance piece, I gather. Yeah,
3: yeah, that's it's gone very well. I think um, one of the things about it was that I, when I was working on it, I was really surprised that no one had ever done it before, because um, it's because it's such a well known and, and really, relieved and relieved that was as well, yes. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's kind of a an immersive, an immersive kind of trail, isn't it? And I, I think I like the concept of it as a alternative tour. You know, a yeah. tour that offers a bit, a bit of inspiration as well.
3: Yeah. Well, you know, to me, I like walking and I've uh, I've got a poem called the urban pedestrian, which is kind of how I look at myself, really. Um, yeah. You know, it's I always walk everywhere I can, and you know either to get from place to place or or just to get out of the house and that kind of you know being around in that urban environment and just seeing what's going on is as I said you know the the sort of thing that inspires me and I think particularly with something like the Ooty run because of the nature of it it's really it's just a gathering of all kinds of different people you know a mixing of of communities that yeah. you don't get in in, a, in many places really but are particularly good for that particularly in an area like this where there is you know that mix of students and local residents and and people who come here just for the weekends for the Otney Run for yeah. a stag do
2: or something. Just walking past this is it just an electricity box or, or yeah, something? Yeah a and phone box or something. People it's have kind of painted on it a nice colourful rainbow and by Burley Banksy, age six and a half. <laughs> I didn't up. know that was a thing out here. People, street art like this, is that kind of a thing that's cropped up at the moment?
3: Yeah, it's one of the things I really like about Headingley. I think this sort of thing, you see it a lot now, but it's, I think Headingley is the first place uh, where I first started to see, see it. I mean, possibly just because I live here, but I think, um, yeah. in Leeds at least, it was one of the first places to to have this sort of thing, and you see them all over the place now. I think we'll probably see a few more along our our walk ah, I, think,
2: I think I am noticing that, that art and literature as well, all arts, is becoming more part of the community now rather than, for obvious reasons, being kind of drawn into the city centre venues. It's kind of rolling out to the communities and inspiring people in public spaces. I think that's, that's something I am noticing more.
3: Yes, I think you're right And that. Yeah, that uh, street art is a, a good example of that. It's it's a, it's a very simple thing, isn't it? But ten yeah. years ago, no one ever thought of doing that. Uh-huh,
2: uh-huh. And
3: it's now, now they're, they're everywhere, you know, so in Meanwood and Chapel Allerton and in all kinds of places, I, I see them around now.
2: Yeah, it's kind of on the... It's not mainstream, I guess. It's still niche as a thing. I mean, all arts is kind of niche in, in a sense, but street art, you know, you kind of used to have a bit more of an edge, I guess. And now it's kind of embraced a bit more? Yeah, I suppose you'd, you used
3: to associate it with graffiti and uh, something something yeah. a bit more underground, I guess. Yeah. Whereas now, uh, just the other day, I saw someone in Meanwood painting the, one of the boxes by the War Memorial as a, as a memorial um, really? around Remembrance Weekends, and that was obviously sort of sanctioned by yeah. the local area and stuff. Uh-huh, Whereas... Uh-huh. I guess a few years ago, if someone had been doing that, you would have had to do it under the cover of night.
2: From amazing street art on the side of buildings to window displays thanking key workers, it's been really inspiring to see people getting creative in their own communities. I think part of it has happened as a result of lockdown and people needing to express themselves in and around their own homes, where they've been more or less confined for the past eight months. But also I believe that we're more perceptive to street art, which speaks to us in a different way now and feels louder, as we're no longer just driving past it on our way to work. We have the time to perceive and digest it.
3: Let's go here, we can, go, we can go up Alma road. Bit road here, go around road. Yeah, the, this actually is a um,
2: right. bit sad. I remember Alma Road, because I remember coming up here um, to see Carrie, who did the Leeds little Library, little yes. free library.
3: Yes, there's the little library so Just on the end here. of the road here. Yeah.
2: Actually, I did used to live around here. Um, Where did you live? Uh, there's Grange. Oh, what's it called? It's like North Grange Court or something. Right. Yeah. It's like the apartments and stuff.
3: With student halls and all that. Yeah, that's over in that. There is. Direction. There was a
2: block there. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that would be interesting going back. Is that accessible this way?
3: No, it's that's way.
2: Ah, in it's the direction. other way, isn't it? Yeah.
3: We could go there, but you'd be well out of your, yeah. out of your route
2: oh, if you want well. to go back to the car. No, just, uh, I, I was just there for like three months when I first moved to Leeds. That was my first, my first, the first place I stayed. This
3: is actually where I first lived when I came to Leeds. When I was a student, I lived here in Lufton Flats in my first year. And I've, uh, I have only live five minutes down the road now, so I haven't got very far.
2: <laughs> must be, uh, you must be fairly happy here then.
3: Yeah, I love it around here. I've always... Lived sort of round and about this area, Henley, Meanwood, Hyde Park, that sort of thing, in all the in all the time that I've lived in Leeds, nearly 30 years now. And it's a it's a good place to be. I like the the vibe of it, in, especially in the middle of Heddenley
2: Yeah, do, do you get a certain feeling when you walk past the place that you used to live in?
3: I guess I'm so used to it because I walk past on the other side of of Lutton Flats more more or less every day. Oh yeah, uh, or at least when I, when we're allowed out the house. Yeah. So I suppose it's 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 so normal that I don't really feel much about it at all.
2: Yeah, because I, yeah, I once had a, an idea about. Um, you know, I think it was just by chance. I think the first family home I ever lived in uh, was up on the market, and someone said, oh, "Have a look," and I could see like my old bedroom and stuff on Right Move and what people had done with it and remembering where I used to put my gladiators poster and all that and it it kind of evokes something it evokes you know it stirs your memories of what happened there memorable and things that stay in your mind are memorable for both positive and negative reasons sometimes so it it can bring quite a lot back and I did think whether it would be worth doing a project, a sort of creative project, where you just drive around and park up outside your former homes and just think, just write what comes to mind, you know.
3: That's made me think of a, a strange thing, which someday I think I'll write about this, but I don't know, I don't know when and how. But um, where, my, where my parents live, which is in a town called Hexham in Northumberland, where I used to live. Yeah. Um, if you look on Google Maps, Uh, Google Street View I'm not sure if it's still the same now or if there's an updated picture if you look at what's on there it's odd because there are cars parked on their driveway and around the house that wouldn't normally be there and Mm. we were looking at this one time and trying to think why that would be and the only possible reason why it could be is because that photograph was taken on the day of my uh, my <laughs> sister's ex-husband's funeral what
2: so it, it, it captured that yeah that, that, that very that's, day that's kind of that's poetic that's like that that's photography isn't it that is, it's got so much charge in it the stories yeah. behind Google Street View like what what you didn't realise was a profound thing at the time yeah, yeah of yeah. all
3: the days they could have chosen to drive their Street View car up that road and we weren't there of course we were down that's it that's is, uh, really... an awake in town.
2: No, there's something in there's something in that man, yeah.
3: Yeah, you can see why i why that's a thought in my head about something to write about, yeah. or, but I'm not quite sure how.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you could you could do I mean if you're playing with format, you could actually and obviously with the digital world we we kind of been accelerated into recently. You could do something like a journey on Street View, or what, I don't know. You could use those images, because I'd want to see the images now you've described them. Yeah. You know, I'd want to actually see what you're talking about, you know, as, a, as someone who would be a listener or an audience member. Mm.
3: But it wouldn't, the, the picture itself wouldn't mean anything to anyone else.
2: They still kind of want to see what you mean. Mm. I, I would anyway, you know. Yeah. I'd want to see, like, how that looks, personally. I've just chosen to stop outside the little free library box. This was the original one Carrie Franklin uh who pioneered that whole project in Leeds. Was wh- this the very first she, one. Where she lives and what she designed. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I didn't realise
3: that. Let's so, say, shall we have a look at what's in it?
2: Yeah, yeah, you, let's have a, a look. I what think it's what? a lot it's permitted, isn't it? I think they were locked up for a while. But yeah, this is a a shared library, isn't it? Where people can leave a book and take a book and it's it's just a box that opens up, and you can kind of have a peek inside, or maybe it is actually I shut. Think
3: it seems to be locked at the moment.
2: Uh, yeah, you can see actually. Yeah, I think it's nicely decorated though, and it it, yeah, yeah. it does make me sad because yeah, Carrie was really inspiring, and she built this up, and it it was all just about kindness and about inspiration, and she was a really positive person. No, it's nice, nice to come back here actually. Yeah, the last time I came back here was when we were working on something together where. I was putting a notepad in in loads of these around Leeds as part of the first Lit Fest actually, and just getting people to co-write a story. So there was just basically a notepad in each box and then people who would come along would write them and it would be like a community story that we'd make. And like Carrie basically was telling me which boxes to go to. And I had this image of me, having just moved to Leeds from York, I had this image of myself just merrily cycling around each of them but I hadn't realised how much bigger Leeds was. And uh, (laughs) obviously you can't really, I was having to drive really. You couldn't have just cycled, cycled between them all in an afternoon like you could in York. I love the Leeds Little Free Library because it seems that they're in it for the same reasons we are. Inspiring people in everyday spaces and reminding people that stories can be found everywhere. There are over 30 Little Free Library boxes around Leeds and in other cities too. Check it out, there might be one on your street. Oh hang on my lace. Something wrong with your shoe. Should uh, double tie them. <laughs> not not used to not used to uh being out, out and about. Anyway.
3: That's a good reason for you to be doing this podcast that gets you out and about. Yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. I've been bogged down well happily with with just, oh, renovating my house, you know, just kind of got a proper fixer-upper I had to put a water supply in I had to put electrics in not myself but I had to like actually gut the place and like I've just been surrounded by boxes and unplastered walls and stuff for months and uh, you know I, it's kind of been uh, if it, was, it would have been a mental time anyway uh, in a way like this has been a good time for it madly
3: sounds like a nightmare. Nightmare, anyway. At any time, I would say, if you ask me.
2: Yeah, I never really wanted to do that, but I've, it has been fun. Like, and it it will become a house that I am happier in, all the more. Like, for it really. And so, like, when we've been walking, like, I never would have noticed before, but I I do look at houses differently now. I do. Like, I mean, you you've obviously commented on some of the. You know about what a Victorian house might look like, or whatever. But, like, I do just look at... I could look at houses for, for hours, you know. I could look at the windows and the bay, like, the nice stone bay, sash windows, that kind of thing. Yeah. It's just given me this vision for it. Like, I actually love how there's a big... Something growing up this one. Um, this is cool. It's Like, usually you see... Um, what's the one that grows up houses that people Ivy. have? Yeah, something... Usually you get, like, leaves and little thin branches, but this thing is a quite a thick tree that's grown up this house
3: strange isn't it i've never noticed this before it's
2: covered it. it's covered most of the house it's working its way up by the looks of it but it's a proper tree with bark and and it's growing up growing up the side of this uh terrace or is it just a semi-detached or something
3: it almost looks like it's growing out of the house yeah like it's kind of yeah. wrapping the house up in it's in its arms
2: yeah it's it's striking and it it's uh I think there is ivy actually further down, maybe it, it does. it's an offshoot or something.
3: Perhaps it is.
2: But yeah, I've never seen it like that before, just a, a tree actually kind of wrapping its arms around a building rather than just decorating it, embellishing it, you know, it's actually kind of part of the structure of it here. Yeah, I can't believe
3: I've never noticed this before.
2: And there'll be like birds and all sorts living in it and there'll be whole civilizations there that, yes. that just wouldn't exist on the side of a, a building. But yeah, just I'm kind of amazed by by buildings like I never wasn't. I do quite like stone buildings specifically. Like I feel like the sight of a Yorkshire-ness to them somehow. Yeah, it just does, does feel autumnal today.
3: It's very very autumnal. There was a good uh, stiff breeze in my face when I was walking
2: yeah. up to make it. Yeah, do do you find this kind of an inspiring season? I mean I know You've said that you're inspired by people, not so much more than nature. But, like, does the seasons affect your work in, in any way that you're aware of?
3: It certainly affects my mood. I'm not sure about my work so much, but I'm very much a, a summer person. Hmm. I like to get out in the sun and do... Yeah. I particularly kind of just go on long walks in the, on a nice sunny day, a bit of a urban exploration.
2: Right. Yeah, I can't blame you really. I think most people kind of do like autumn as well. Can look a bit look a bit more picturesque. Yeah, I think I think like Yeah, it does affect your mood. I think your mood can affect your work though, right?
3: I guess it must inevitably perhaps you don't notice it doing that, but mm. there must be some kind of subconscious effect at least.
2: Yeah, I, I do think so. Um you know you can you can sense someone's emotions like the writer's emotions in the piece sometimes i think it's a bit of a funny thing sometimes cuz if you're writing a piece that's quite quite humorous or like you have um or a piece that's quite angry then you are like um kind of it would help to be in those moods as you're writing them right
3: I don't know. Is it, is it better to be in that mood or is it better to be outside of that, looking in, to so have, have a different more sort of feeling? I guess, again, there's two different approaches to that, isn't there?
2: So then you're more kind of aware of the voice of the poem and as a mature, objective writer of that.
3: Yeah, right? maybe you need a bit of both, really. Maybe you need to... Perhaps, you know, when you're writing a first draft, maybe it's best to... To be in that right mood, but then mm. when you're editing or revising, to look at it again with when you're feeling differently, I see. Yeah, at a different perspective. I think that's I think that's probably a, a sensible way of approaching a piece mm-hmm. of work to to try and accommodate from as many different perspectives as possible. And I suppose your personal mood
2: is part of that. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about that lately because everyone should be aware of you know and and should want to support their own well-being and part of that is um, I think you're encouraged to control your emotions but I think as a writer I I don't always want to and I kind of want my emotions to stir something and to create a piece of work I feel like my best work is produced when I am overwhelmed with emotion
3: think for me I can be quite productive if I'm overwhelmed with emotion that's when you know times when I'm particularly times when I'm feeling quite down mm. those are times when I can I guess I kind of distract I guess I kind of distract myself by um, kind of immersing myself in in writing so I think some of those times are the, are the most productive times although that said you know, in this lockdown, I felt very much the opposite of that. Yeah. I was feeling very down at the beginning of it, but then uh, but unable mm. to really write anything, um, mainly because I was out of my usual routine, I mm. think. But, so, mm. again, you know, I suppose as, as with most things this year, things are just so completely different to normal that it's, it's hard to make any, any comparison to anything else we know, isn't it?
2: Yeah, oh yeah, for sure. It's, it's a journey that we're on. Always, yeah, yeah, I think maybe you were s- struggling to produce work because you knew you weren't going to perform it, I guess
3: that's one uh, that's one possibility, yeah
2: because it's always nice to envision the outcome of your work, and sometimes when i'm when I was kind of a bit more specifically dedicated to just writing spoken word pieces, now I'm doing kind of bit of other things now but I kind of always have a half an eye on how I was going to perform them and I'd always try and think of an audience in front of me as I was delivering it and and I guess if that is removed as a, as a possibility, i.e. if you're unable to perform it, which we are at the moment, then then you've got to think of something else, you've got to kind of envision something else.
3: I normally sort of work around events in a in a sort of similar way like Word Club at the Kemic is uh, my most regular monthly events that I go to uh, obviously happening, only happening online at the moment but you know normally uh, particularly with, uh, well only with poetry because it's a poetry event I think about kind of having work ready for that. I don't like to, to go to Word Club and not have one or two new poems okay. to try out normally that i'm doing for the first time so that's part of what creates my my structure i guess uh-huh. having a sort of a target to work to to do that
2: yeah i mean at the moment i'm i'm just kind of in a weird place i'm not really putting any pressure on myself and i mean because i when i was hosting outspoken i'd always do i was just like you you know I'd try and have at least one every month so i could do that and uh, I think I mainly kept kept that up, Um, or like at least encouraged me to finish one in time. Like because sometimes I've I've got I've got quite a lot of poems that are like ninety-five percent done, or so I think. And the longer you leave them, the more you probably more likely to transform them when you come to them again. Because I'm sure if you read back your old poems, you, you probably and you were invited to edit them, you probably would edit them more. But yeah, um, I'm now just sort of doing bits and pieces and just feeling creative, just uh, in this, for example, you know, and in other ways, like um, doing like um, the fan fiction bits, workshops and.
3: For me, you know, I've been very busy this year. I've done a lot of stuff. I was just a few weeks ago, I was looking back on the year and sort of writing a list of all the things that I've done and it's absolutely loads. That's great. I'm really pleased with everything that i've achieved and you know it's i've said to myself if i don't achieve anything else for the rest of the year it doesn't matter no. it's fine
2: and that's it for another edition of look closer the found fiction podcast thanks to my special guest joe williams who took us on a creative journey around Headingley. before we say goodbye we've got a couple of pieces of found fiction news to tell you about as mentioned last time, we've been partnering up with Space 2 Leeds to create creative Christmas hampers for residents of East Leeds. We included creative writing prompts and inviting people to get creative in their own homes, as well as stories written by Geraldine Montgomery, Marion Caban, Angela Huskisson and Elizabeth Hopkinson. I'm pleased to announce that these hampers are now making their way out to 300 families across Gipton, Harehills, Meanwood and elsewhere. We're really proud to be brightening up people's Christmases this year, probably more so than we would any other year, what with 2020 being so tough for so many. The second piece of news is a reminder that things don't always work out. We were recently unsuccessful in our bid for funding from Historic England to roll out our Street Stories project nationwide. This would have been absolutely amazing, but you can't win them all. Ultimately, we feel like we've been really lucky this year. While none of the huge number of events-based activities we had planned could go ahead, we've still managed to do what we do, leading writing workshops for schools, universities and creative groups, staging street literature projects like Street Stories in Leeds and It's Proper Art in London, and staging writing competitions like the one with our and Butte community learning. We've also done stuff we probably wouldn't have normally done, like classes on Zoom and this podcast, And we've made new connections we might not otherwise have made, like with the Kenya-based African Fiction Academy, Switcheroo and Creative's Garage, who we worked with on the Masterclass series. Who knows what 2021 will bring, but we'll be approaching it with the same gusto as always, because inspiring people in everyday spaces through the written word is what we live for. We wish you all the best too. From everybody at Found Fiction, have a lovely Christmas and a happy new year.
4: Love the haiku, love the sonnet, love the quatrain and the couplet, love the words, from East Leeds FM.
5: You're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM. Thank you so much to Fan Fiction as ever and to Joe Williams, the poet Joe Williams, as opposed to the historian and actor Joe Williams, who he had on coincidentally last week. In the second half of today's Love the Words, we have an interview with the poet Dalton Harrison and a group of poems from Stuart Pickford, a poet who's new to us here at Chapel FM, whose work we very much admire next week on Love the Words on the 15th a whole hour of live poetry three or four readers will be reading the entirety of six line poems submitted to us in the last month or so greetings for the new year hopes, visions, aspirations every single one of them submitted by the 104 writers who sent in work will be read Next week on Love the Words. So, you're listening to Love the Words here on East Leeds FM, and uh, I'm going to be talking to a poet, Dalton Harrison, who I only met last year. It's really good to make your acquaintance, Dalton. Are you there?
4: Yes, I am. Thank you very much. It's good to hear you again.
5: <laughs> How are you doing?
4: I'm not bad under current restrictions, but I suppose I'm a bit used to that, being an ex-offender. <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, I'm sure there are some differences, uh, but uh, it's going to be uh, really interesting to talk to you about your projects. And first of all, Dalton, yeah, when, when did you start writing? Because are you new to poetry, or have you been writing for a while?
4: I've actually, I started writing when I was 12, um, and it was something that I uh, got a bit of praise for, so that was very unique in my life, so I felt very sort of drawn to exploring that. But as I sort of hit my later teens, uh, things started to go a little bit wrong for me. By the time I got to 15, I'd stopped completely, and um, I'd got into a lot of situations that I weren't, weren't as creative as they used to be, and I, and I uh, stopped for a number of years.
5: So, um... Yeah, what what got you started again? I'm always. I think that often there are pauses in people's lives when it comes, you know, to, in 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 their writing lives. And it interests me why people stop, but also why people start again. How was it for you?
4: I definitely started again uh, when I entered the prison system, and it was something that couldn't be taken away. It it couldn't be, it couldn't be uh, sort of put into a little prop box and told that you could have it back in a couple of years. It was it was something that was mine. And for that, the words just kept coming, because when you're alone, like I saw a lot of people feel at the moment in lockdown, you suddenly become aware of yourself and your surroundings. Everything is uh, is, is sort of attached to you. So that was my way of expressing myself.
5: Absolutely. No, having, uh, having worked in the prison system a bit uh, with writers in prison, I think what you, you've, you've, you've said it's very well indeed that it's something that can't be taken away from you you can even if you're not literally writing it down it can be in your head and and that can't be uh, as you say put in a prop box and kept for the next three years and um so i mean you've got you've got a couple of really exciting projects on the go here um tell us about transverse first of all
4: well it's uh, it's something that i've um when i first got out and I was desperate to, to get back into the poetry scene and to explore these avenues and the first event I went to um, there was a man s- that said he was part of Transverse One and that was um, that was called um, We Won't Be Erased and he was reading from that and I was so enthralled I thought if I ever hear anything about that coming out again I want to be in that. that that's something for me so when the second transverse come out, which is called No Time for Silence: Words of Survival and Resilience and Hope, um, I just thought that is it. That is for me, and I've uh, managed to get five poems in that.
5: So, I mean, what is transverse exactly? Tell us, tell us what it actually is.
4: It's basically it's it's a poetry anthology. Uh, there's also song lyrics um, inside it. Uh, it's basically trans and non-binary writers, and it's from four different continents. So there is such a broad range of um, of writers, and it's such a, an amazing book to be a part of.
5: Well, congratulations. You've got five poems in there.
4: Yes, yes, I'm very thrilled.
5: Absolutely. That's fantastic. And yeah, I first met you, as I say, when you, you came to writing... Uh, so, so, some workshops and some meetings that we were doing in the run up to writing on air, which sadly had to be postponed this year, hopefully doing it next year but um, and that's when I first came in into contact with you and I, you didn't mention then uh your your the collection that you 've coming out next year but that's is that a new thing is that what, whats tell us about uh, it's called the boy behind the wall Tell us about it
4: well it's something that I started in, when I was in prison um, it started with a few poems uh, that I was going to send to the cursor which is an amazing uh, um, award system that's, that's running in prison. And I just thought, you know what? This is me. Um, I want to carry this on. And it basically um, is a series of poems that start from before I entered prison. Uh, and it gives you a journey um, through every step of my emotions, my feelings, and the, the things that I had to face until I got out. And, and it carries on from there. So you get a very broad variety of... Sort of a journey that's definitely from one place to another.
5: would be great to hear one of those poems. Can you, can you read us one?
4: I bite my lip. Forget what it is to feel the touch of another. Met with cuffs. No jokes but blank eyes. I try, try to hide myself. Bubbling bottomless bellies of acid erupted like Mount Vesuvius. Too late as I choked back violent explosions Staring out of slit windows Travelling to my death It's May, but not 1536 Yet the crowds entered through doors to catch a glimpse of my downfall To go home after I was taken Sure of how they had convicted under a law That's forged on power Success that's built on the ruins of empires The law saw no wrong in destroying all that stood in its way. To this day, let it be framed. I may not travel to my beheading, but I will forever be reminded of this. For the crowd never forgets, while the heart longs for better days. I think of past lovers, all soft skin and Cheshire grins, or long legs and angel smiles. The open eyes and open hands that lead from youth to a noose. Now I'm here. I am still human, now proven, forevermore, just a criminal.
5: Great. Thank you, Dalton. And that's from uh, The Boy Behind the Wall, which is out in uh, March next year, hopefully.
4: Yep. Hopefully, yeah. All-, all pending. It should be ready for Trans Day of Visibility at the end of March.
5: Fantastic. And tell us a bit about Standfast Productions.
4: Well, at the moment, we've been sort of held back in what we were doing. Um, with, we were doing a lot of live performances, a lot of live poetry events. So we've sort of moved everything slowly online, which has been a shock to everyone, I think. Uh, we're working with Love Arts Leeds, uh, doing a poetry event we just done with uh, Mental Health, uh, which was a fantastic event. Um, we've also worked with Arts Together Leeds, which is a fantastic collective so we've, we've sort of got a lot of different things uh, that are going on, um, but it's all basically online and a lot of art and poetry. But it's something that um, has brought a lot of people together, which I've enjoyed.
5: And who are the people who, have come, together, who come together in Standfast? Tell us uh, you know, what, who you are as a collective.
4: As a collective, like I said, we just like to bring together anybody. There's a lot of people that have mental health issues. There's a lot of people that have maybe turbulent lives. So at any point, they can drop in and drop out as, as their life uh, sort of fits. So it's about connecting people. It's about bringing people together so they don't feel isolated. Sometimes in the community, you feel like you can't make friends or that you don't trust people. Uh, it's just about readjusting. And we like to express ourselves through poetry, uh, live performance now online, and just through artwork. So there's lots of projects coming where we're hopefully, hopefully working with uh, hostels, and maybe a few other community groups.
5: So Dalton, if people are listening to this and they want to get involved in Standfast, how do they do that?
4: We've got a few platforms. We've got an internet sort of website. We've got Twitter. We're on Instagram. So we're, we're basically just accessible to anybody that's an advocate for the criminal justice system. They don't have to be on probation and they don't have to be just released from prison. So it's anybody that feels that it's something that they're interested in. They can just sort of drop in whenever they want and just say a hi and we can take it from there.
5: Sounds absolutely brilliant. And Transverse, you're hoping is out soon by Christmas?
4: We're hoping so. I mean, there's been a few setbacks with Covid, but we're definitely looking for hopefully around Christmas time.
5: Marvellous. Well, um, to finish off, Dalton, it'd be great to hear uh, one of your poems. That's uh, one of the five that's been published in Transverse.
4: Well this one's called Identity Um, and obviously as we're um, discussing obviously a lot of trans and non-binary writers this is what I wrote inside prison uh, about the way that I felt about being a a trans man in a female prison so it's called Identity What is identity inside these walls? Doors so thick it binds the chest you hide so you can't breathe Define me by numbers a sign that says female estate. I can't deny I'm here, but I'm just visiting. Yet still I see the dirt tracks of ghosts walking in rows. The smell of death like somehow that was the only way to ever be free. What is identity? Identify me in society's hollow walls where no one hears you cry in towels given and used and repeated in a system that deals with mass incarceration. This blue towel in my hands that I leave the streaks in. My sobs, my grief, my guilt, my past. I could wring it out, tear it in half in anger. But I sit with this feeling that stretches across from hand to hand. I look and I wonder in the middle of my pain, in the pinnacle of my fallen tears, if anyone used this as a noose to stop theirs. I throw it aside and it coils around like a viper in the room. I feel the poison, I taste it on my lips. I feel it in my body. What is identity? The system is they, them. I am the boy behind the wall, and the sign says, female estate.
5: Dalton, thanks ever so much for coming on Love the Words and uh, talking about your poetry. Best of luck with both Transverse and The Boy Behind the Wall. And when and when it's out, uh, well, both of them actually, let us know, because hopefully in our new building in Chapel FM, we'll have some shelves where we put publications uh, and people can borrow them possibly buy them so yeah let us know and uh, thanks ever so much again
4: thank you so much it's been a pleasure as always love the cases love the clauses love the adverbs and the antecedents
1: Love the words. From ELFM.
6: Hello, and thank you for listening. I hope you will enjoy these stories about being out and about in the world. Since I was young, I've enjoyed running and cycling and even swimming if the water's not too cold. This first piece is about how comfortable life can sometimes feel and how you might sometimes want to throw off the comfortable life of matching mugs and scatter cushions. In the piece, I imagine all my bad characteristics gathering at the start of a run. There's temptation, obsession, ambition, and a bit of vanity, too. My apologies for the swear word, but I hope you think it's justified in context. This piece is called Pure Running. Who lives in this catalogue? It's time to crash into the storm over the moors Dodge the wind throwing knives, The Atlantic roar curling our ears. Nicety, nicety, nicety. To hell with these days of matching mugs, Condensation creeping up the windows, As if the house is sinking under the weight Of pleases and thank yous. Let's strip the stodge from our arteries, Fling the scatter cushions from our eyes. Our badnesses are shuffling to the start. Here's temptation warming his hands down his lycra, Adjusting the spanner any time or place. Jogging on the spot, obsession takes ascent from descent, Craves a bigger fix. Ambition picks a scab, Thinks who he could have been, Why he ignored the ghost in the machine. Vanity's high viz, Gloves that breathe, Reflect to sunnies, Seamless seams. Let's leave our bads bitching, Tear off the stopwatch. It's time to run flat The mountain of emails, And smiles, And lists, and logos, Holler at our useless legs For being slow, for being us. Let's not hit the wall To be hit back, Let's take the fucker down Before it's the mound On top of us forever. This second piece is called Calling Her Name. The London Marathon is a great event, An overwhelming in terms of the support of the London people. My daughter Ashley had the ambition to run the London Marathon and we ran it together to support the brilliant charity Amnesty International. This piece is about that. One of the colourful things about the London Marathon is the people in fancy dress, people brilliantly running to raise money for others. A charity supporting the Grey Rhino had their runners running in full fancy dress, with horny stamped on their sides. Each start area has a different colour, and we stood there waiting to start the marathon with runners dressed as Elvis Presley, Jesus, a fridge and Scooby Doo. The year Ashley and I ran, Chris Arty ran. He was the first amputee above the knee to finish the London Marathon. My word, when you're tired and you see him running on a blade and he's happy and shouting encouragement, you keep your head down. Thank your blessings and keep going. And of course, it was also brilliant to run with my daughter Ashley. Calling her name. Horny is stamped on the knobbly group of rhinos in Red Start. We wait with Elvis and Scooby-Doo. Printed on our amnesty vests, our names. One of the first words we learn, and may be the last to go. Police helicopters slice up the sky. A selfie, hug, and we're away. London's ours. The banter of wags. Ashley, trip that stew. If Trump can run, so can you. Get horny! I fall in with her step, And the music lifts us, Chases us down the road. Reggae, drums, You're gold, Mimes a spando ballet DJ, Bare-chested. For a minute or three, we are. Each mile's an arch above the road, the locals cool the runners with their garden hoses, rainbows in the spray. The roar grows big as a hot air balloon. The crowd throws names into the air like hats. And when the pace begins to sag, Jesus, kangaroos, Chris arthy, an amputee running on a blade, my daughter on my shoulder. There's the mouths finishing line. I hold her hand as tightly as her name. We take the invisible tape and share the time. This last story is about running again and thinking, my God, I'm lucky some of my mates are not here now. Pete Wormold, this poem, my friend, is for you. We used to visit Lochiel near Fort William together, and Pete taught me how to use predictive text in those early days of mobile phones. Pete loved Scotland, Ben Nevis, the island of Islay, and after he passed away, we organised a charity run to his rugby league ground, Featherstone Rovers, his lifelong team. We ran through on the way St Aidan's Country Park that was once an open cast mine until the river air compromised the bank. And millions and millions of gallons of water flowed from the river into the open cast mine. The river flowed temporarily backwards. The soundscape on this poem was created by Izzy Turner. Please look her up at Films at gmail.com. She's done a superb job. Thank you, Izzy. And here is the poem for you, my friend Pete.
1: Black Water Pete I know you are not dead We're sitting on a bed In our twin room Overlooking Loch Eel The reflection of the Ben is draining away On the tide You're teaching me Predictive text On my first cheap mobile You say, my daughter showed me, it will change your life. You point, I press the keys. Months later, you miss a prostate check. The shadow seeps into your bones. For a spell, you cycle the highlands, send a picture crossing to Ile. On the charity run, kids bounce around our legs. Stations with tea, egg sandwiches and your orange cake. The secret bridge over the wall. We're running to your spiritual home. Featherstone Rovers via St. Aidan's Park. All reed beds and swans. That once was an open cast mine until the day the air's bank gave way and the river flowed backwards millions and millions of gallons filling the vast black hole until it was full and level and calm
0: Appelle-moi vers le sud Le vent du nord va geler moi Je vole avec les yeux glacés voir les violettes Appelle-moi vers le sud Envole-moi vers le sud Je suis la girouette Pour entrer dans le sud Survolant la gibouille Le vent après lequel je soupire, appelle-moi vers le sud.